most powerful being in the universe. Sitting down for the last meal with his friends. Knowing that it is his last meal. Let me ask you a question this morning, church. If you knew lunch today would be your last meal on this planet, what would you do? Today's the last opportunity you have to spend with friends and family. Today's the last opportunity you have to accomplish those things you wanted to get done in your life. Today is the last chance you'll ever have to finish all that you've started. What would you do with your resources? What would you do with what you have? I uh, work, my profession is in insurance, and... uh, the gentleman who, who taught me virtually everything I know about insurance had this thing he told me once. He asked me how much life insurance I had. I told him how much I had. He said, how many kids do you have? I told him. And you're married? And he knew all this. He was just being facetious with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, okay, let me ask you this question. If you knew you were going to die tomorrow, how much life insurance would you buy today? <laughs> well, well, more than I've got right now. That's kind of how our minds work, isn't it? We know the end is inevitable. We know that it's coming for us at some point, at some time. But none of us really truly live that way. We always live with the expectation that we're going to have another day. We're going to have more time. We're going to have opportunity to do those things. See, I know Chris was here this morning at the crack of dawn because I pulled in at about a little after 7 with the stuff for the board and the picture of Spider-Man that you just saw, because there's nothing quite like waiting to the last minute to get those things to the guy who's got to get them on the screen. I'm great at that. Procrastination is, I'm, I'm a pro. Um, you always think there's more time than there actually is. But Jesus' situation here is unlike ours, in that he knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew where he was headed. Look at verse number 1 with me one more time. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, he knew it was there. So here we have the most powerful being, the creator and sustainer of life in the universe, sitting at table with his friends, knowing he's leaving. What am I going to do? What is the last impression I'm going to leave? How do I finish what I've started with these men? Now, He's done some miraculous things in his ministry already. I think if I were his disciples, I would probably be expecting something else miraculous. And they were. They were expecting it, not particularly at this meal. But they were looking for something incredible to happen. Jesus is sitting here and he looks at these guys. He says, "My my last meal, my last time with them. What do I do to finish what I've started in these guys' lives? Jesus had what some would consider an advantage. I actually think it a disadvantage in that not only did he know he was leaving, but he also knew his disciples. Continuation of that verse says, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Jesus Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, and Jesus knew all these things. The disadvantage for Jesus in knowing these men was He literally knew these men. That would be a disadvantage for me. 
It would be a disadvantage for me because I know me. And there are people who love me. How many of you here have people who love you? By show of hands. Most of you. Okay, great. So for the most part, you're decent folks. Great. Good to know that. Note who did not raise their hands. Okay. Um, We're loved by people, but how many of those people really, really, truly, truly know us? Let me take it a step further than that. How many of those people can read your mind? How many of them know what you're thinking at any given moment? Probably none. Let's put it this way. Husbands, how would you like it if your wives could read your mind? That's horrifying, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, honey, dinner was great. The thing is, guys... We have people we love, we're loved by people, but but all of us, all of us, to some degree, have areas of our lives we don't want other people knowing about. It could be fears, it could be doubts, it could be bad habits, it could be things in our past, it could be emotions that we have a hard time getting a grip of, it could be frustration, all of those things, all those things that that run through your mind and, and thankfully, for the most part, you're able to shut your mouth before they actually come out. Jesus heard all of those things. Now, I don't know what all was in his disciples' minds and hearts, but I know some of the things they said, and I kind of alluded to those earlier. On the way to town alone, they were arguing about who, which of them would be greatest in the kingdom of God, who was going to get to sit beside him at the table. These men were greedy. They were prideful. They were boastful. They, they had themselves exalted to a place where they should not have been exalted to in their own minds because of their association with Jesus. And that's all it was. It was solely because of their association with Jesus they had themselves on this pedestal to the point to where they could actually ask the question, I wonder which, one's, which one of us will be greatest when we get to heaven. Those are just the things they said. Think of what they didn't say. And Jesus heard them all. And he loved them anyway. And the same thing is true for you. When I had you do that little thing, look at each other, God really loves what you're looking at right now, although it was kind of a humorous, funny, kind of break the ice kind of thing, there's a whole lot of truth to that. And he knows every intimate detail of your life, and he loves you that much anyway. Is that not mind-boggling? So sitting here at the table with these guys that he loves, knowing all their faults, all their failures, all the greed, all the pride, all their spite, knows that one of them is about to betray him, and he loves him till the end as well. Looks at these guys and says, okay, I have all of this power. How do I use it? Look at verse number five, uh, number four. I actually back up to verse number 3. Sorry, guys. <laughs> verse number 3, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, total control, total power, ultimate power, and that he had come from, that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Verse number 5, 
Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. I'm not sure the disciples were totally paying attention in verse number 4. Um, they were all gathered around and, and probably still trying to elbow into the best seat at the table at that point. Jesus is looking at this situation and says, Okay, the Father has put all things in my hand. I have ultimate power here. What am I going to do? He hops up and he takes off his outer garment. He grabs a towel, ties it around his waist. Nobody says anything, at least it's not recorded up to this point. Then he gets the water. Now, they may have at that point seen the water and probably remembered back to a particular wedding that they were at and thought, oh, here we go. Celebration. We've made this triumphant entry. He's about to make some more of that wine. And then he kneels and begins to wash people's feet. Now, the significance of that is lost a little bit on us um, simply because it's, it's uncustomary for us to do that. Um, but the culture here was a, was a bit different than ours, and, and so was the circumstances surrounding their feet. Um, they didn't have nice, clean, paved roads like we have here. They had dirt, dusty, sandy roads that were heavily trodden by all manner of critter, uh, livestock, camel, donkeys, uh, you name it. If you've ever taken a trip to a zoo, you can kind of picture a little bit of what these guys walked through on a daily basis. Beyond that, they did not have Air Jordan tennis shoes, or anything else to keep all that garb off their feet. They wore these little handmade, hand-tied, laced sandals. And so their feet caught all of this stuff, and they got quite nasty. And it was customary, typically, to, to wash your feet at the beginning of a situation like this, especially a meal, you were visiting someone's home. Uh, the poorer homes, folks who didn't have servants or slaves in the home, they, it was your responsibility to wash your own feet. If you went to someone who was a little higher on the economic ladder, a little more successful or, 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 or uh, wealthier, they had slaves or servants who did this job for you. But that, that job was given to the lowest of the low. That was not the job you wanted as a servant in a house. You didn't want to be the foot-washing guy. Okay? So for Jesus, the most powerful being in the universe, to take that power and say the best use of my power in this moment is to give all of my power away. The best use of all the power in all the universe, way more than the 1.21 gigawatts, that some of you will get the reference to that if you know what October 21st was this week. Ultimate, ultimate power gave it all away to become nothing. To make a point. To make a point to His disciples and to make a point to us. And that point is, regardless of how much power you perceive you have, how much control or influence you think you have, regardless of the value you think you have for this church, for this body, or for your family, as a child of God, you have the love of God in your heart. And that is what Jesus gave His disciples in that moment. He gave them love. He showed them what it looked like to have no pride, to have no expectation, to have no desire of lofty thoughts or admiration, but to simply show love to a group of people who didn't necessarily deserve it. And He freely gave it anyway.
That's huge. He could have done anything he wanted. He had told his disciples in the town, I am leaving you, I am going to die. They should have been ministering to him. And he decides the best use of my power and my position in this moment is to minister to them. That's amazing. That is a picture of the God who loves you, church. That is a picture of the love that Jesus has poured out upon us from the cross and, and, and throughout your entire life. And this wasn't the first time he did this. It was, this was pretty commonplace throughout his life. And, and in just a few short hours, he'll be praying in the garden and soldiers will come to arrest him. And instead of using his power to evaporate these guys, he uses his power to pick an ear up off the ground and place it back on the soldier who came to arrest him. Awesome love. An awesome display of power, but awesome love. Awesome grace and awesome mercy. And folks, this world needs to see this from us. The gist of this two-part series is, is what is your power play going to be? How are you going to use the power you've been given? How are you going to leverage the gifts you've been given? And we all have varying degrees of different things in this room. But one thing we all have in common is, if you're a child of God, you have the love of God living in you. And that is what this world needs to see more than anything else. It's easy to sit back and watch the news or pick up the newspaper and say these problems are too big. I am not equipped, I am not qualified, I am not prepared, I am not knowledgeable enough to make any difference in this world. I cannot save the world. And while that is true, we can't change the world. You can change the life of one person in this world. You can't end world hunger, but you might be able to end hunger for one person today. You can't end homelessness, but you may be able to provide a home for a child who is currently without. You can't cure cancer, but you may be able to give encouragement to someone who is battling it and let them know that they're not in this battle alone. We can all do something. We can all show God's love to someone today and tomorrow and the next and the next day. What is your power play going to be? If the most powerful man, the God, the creator of the universe, with all power at his disposal, chose in this moment to simply humble himself and show love to his friends. Can't you and I do that? It's awesome to know we have a God that knows us so intimately and loves us anyway. Let's extend that grace on to others who need it today. As we pray.